What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It is mid-August already, so we only have three weekends left for people to do their drafts before the season officially starts. Week one is going to be here before you know it, so I figured it would be good to take a look at how my rankings have been changing. Each Saturday, we go over the latest ADP movement over the last week, but many times my rankings either won't necessarily change after the news, or maybe they've already changed from the news and they aren't really a riser in the rankings. Uh, they already rose before the news came out. You shouldn't be overreacting to the news. So I thought that it would be just interesting to see exactly how have my rankings changed over the last week by going over the most important risers and fallers. So if you like this video topic, make sure to leave a like and then I'll do it again if there's a positive reaction to this video, but you gotta let me know if it's something you wanna see again. So without further ado, let's talk about who is moving and we'll start right off at the top with Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey. So I still have Jonathan Taylor as the 101 in standard scoring leagues and in half PPR leagues but it is extremely close in half PPR now. And then McCaffrey has really taken over in full PPR as the clear 101. Frank Reich talked this week about how they're playing for a Super Bowl this season. And that's not just like, you know, coach speak saying they're trying to be the Super Bowl. Like they, they're a legitimate contender to win the Super Bowl this season. So that's, you know, in their sights. They also want Taylor to be effective for years to come. They know they're not just all in for this season. He even went as far as to say that he doesn't want Jonathan Taylor leading the league in touches. And I think there is real merit behind these comments. Taylor averaged 26 touches per game from week 10 on last season. He had four games with at least 27 carries. And while we want the volume to be high in fantasy, obviously, we need to remember that Jonathan Taylor is still a human and anyone getting that many carries is going to start to break down at some point, and the Colts know that, and he's in their long-term plans. They want him fresh for a long playoff run, they hope, and so I looked at my projection, and I just felt that the Colts probably don't want him to be there. They probably want him to be closer to like 300 carries. He hit 332 last season despite the insane run to close the season and despite playing in all 17 weeks, and so I thought that 300 was a much better projection, so I dropped him a tad, and that was enough for, in full PPR, Taylor to drop behind McCaffrey, McCaffrey to really like rise above him, but enough to where it's like there used to be a gap in half PPR. Now it's very, very small. In standard, Taylor's just so good on the ground and with touchdowns that like he's still going to be the clear one, but in half PPR, it is much, much closer now, and I would not fault anyone in half PPR scoring going with McCaffrey. The second biggest riser, or I guess another big riser, uh, inside the first like two rounds comes with Saquon Barkley. I moved him up from 18th overall to 13th overall, and I'm just going to use half PPR rankings for like the rest of these. So Saquon up, and everyone who rose rose in like all of the rankings, but I'm going to tell you like exactly what the rise is in half PPR. So Saquon up, 18th overall to 13th overall. I've just gained a lot of confidence in his workload recently, and he projects really, really well, even without overloading him. So I think given my baseline projection, if he were to play a fully healthy 17-game season, which I do think is the least likely outcome, he's probably going to get hurt at some point, but if he were to play the whole season, he would go above my projection. So I'm not projecting like a full workload every single week 
if that was happening, he would probably be a top three pick. So I am projecting him a little bit lower on the carries. Um, I've boosted his target share from last season because, I mean, he was playing hurt last year. And, like, we haven't gotten, like, really good numbers. I didn't even give him the target share that he saw in his rookie season when he really exploded. And so I'm giving him a, a relatively modest projection. I'm not projecting the Giants to be some powerhouse on offense. And uh, I believe it's, like, a little over 200 for the carries for Barkley. So I didn't move him up all that much. But I've just gained confidence in that, like, when he's out there and he's healthy, he's going to be a feature back. And it's something I talked about about a week ago. Like, can you, how many can you really name? Like, McCaffrey is one. You could say Najee Harris is probably a feature back. And it's like Saquon and then maybe, you know, Alvin Kamara. But, like, there, there's really not that many running backs who truly have featured running back in their range of outcomes. And Saquon's one of them. And so I wanted to move him up in the rankings. Uh, he is now, it depends on the site, really, where he is going with ADP. Uh, but in general, he's, like, at or above ADP for the most part. Uh, in terms of movement down, I did move Kyle Pitts and Darren Waller down a tad. The overall rankings are the same. So I have Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts, Waller, and then Kittle. But I wanted to move Pitts and Waller down just a little bit, uh, just to get a little bit closer to ADP. Still on every single site, I have them ranked and projected as a value. So if you're using the rankings, you're still going to end up with them. Uh, but I think they were being... I guess I was being a tad bit aggressive, um, had pits at some points, like pretty early in the third round. Uh, now the new rankings have pits as a mid third round pick, Waller as an early fourth round pick. Uh, basically, the, the pits movement was like there's a lot of really good wide receivers in the tail end of kind of running back until we get into like, you know, some iffy running backs. But it was really those wide receivers. There's some like rock solid wide receivers. I wanted to move more into like that early third round range and that move pits down into the mid third. So again, I still like them. Uh, I'm not worried about the hamstring injury for Darren Waller. That's not really on my radar. He's got a very long time to recover. If he returns and then like, let's say he comes back and then in late August, he hurts the exact same hamstring again. That's a problem. That's a re-injury. That's an injury much closer to the season. We'll be concerned then, but they don't seem concerned right now. seems like they're just taking it very slow. They know how good he is. He doesn't need much of camp, and so I think they're being cautious, and so I'm not going to like drop him in the rankings because of that. In terms of movement up, uh, J.K. Dobbins up about half a round. Uh, now he's going, or I guess he's in the rankings, and that like fourth to fifth round turn He's already like returning to practice. Uh, I believe as of recording this, I don't think he's in like you know full team drills or anything. But very soon he's going to be joining the team, doing all of those drills. Uh, Gus Edwards is doubtful for Week One, so we're just gaining a lot of confidence that like Dobbins is going to be good to go a good chunk amount earlier than Gus Edwards. And while they have other running backs, they don't have other running backs that are like super talented, high end draft picks like. Dobbins is a very high-end talent. Now, we still don't know how he's going to look. Um, he's going to be at higher injury risk because of coming off a torn ACL. But also, you know, he had a torn ACL. Like, people typically, um, they'll return that next season, but they won't be as good. And then the following years when we really want to target them. So, I'm not being, like, aggressive and saying you have to get Dobbins in every league. But it's a really good sign that he's coming off of the pup now. It's a really good sign that he should be ready for week one. And we are still getting him at a discount. He'd be a third round pick had he not been injured. Um, had we had like everything else held equal, he'd be probably a mid third round pick uh, kind of going after like Nick Chubb, like that kind of range. And so getting him at this discount 
there's still a chance that he goes out there, averages like five yards per carry, dominates in the red zone for touchdowns. And we're looking at this like, oh, that's a phenomenal value at his current ADP, which is kind of in that like fifth round. You know, there's not really many running backs who have uh, a very high ceiling in that range. So had to move him up, uh, gaining some confidence there. But again, we're not aggressively targeting him. And many times, even with this new ranking, like fourth, fifth round, there will still be times where I want a tight end there. I want to go with the wide receiver there. And so not aggressive target, uh, but definitely more confidence there. Uh, and part of that movement, honestly, like a lot of it was moving Dobbins up, but some of it was actually with moving David Montgomery down. We've seen a few reports suggesting that it could be more of a committee this season, which you know definitely has people panicking with David Montgomery. I talked about on probably the Tuesday live stream how I have been still getting him in some underdog drafts because he's been cratering like into the 70s. And I think at that point, like, you know, Montgomery's not like a bad pick. Like he still has upside. There's still a chance that um, they don't go with the committee. But I think having concern here is valid and is the correct reaction. Like I was beating the drum for Herbert last season because I thought he was really good. I thought he earned a more consistent role in that time that Montgomery was out. Now, when Montgomery came back, he just instantly was a feature back again. They went completely away from Khalil Herbert. I thought that was wrong. It seems like they're starting to agree with that. They're being like, okay, that was probably the incorrect choice for us. Like maybe we do give him a consistent workload during the season. He's a really good running back. And so I think they kind of move with that. And so I gave some of the carries back to Herbert, Herbert rising a little bit, uh, Montgomery dropping. I don't think he's a terrible pick, but you combine that concern with the offensive line. I mean, Brandon Thorne at ETR has the Bears as the 31st ranked offensive line. And I mean, I completely agree. Like they have no talent on that offensive line. Uh, Fields is going to be under constant pressure. The running back's going to get hit very quickly. And so it's two things. It was taking some of the projected carries away from Montgomery and giving them to Herbert. But then also I made Montgomery a little bit less efficient than it had been before. And that was enough to drop him. Um, current ranking is the mid fifth round. Uh, and that's, I mean, given his ADP, it's a round and a half below that. Again, he's been cratering. There are some drafts where he completely slips sixth, seventh round. At that point, we're looking at a pretty good value. Uh, but current ADP, there's no way. He's going way too early. You're not going to get him if he's going at ADP. Uh, I've moved Chase Edmonds up a good amount, but honestly, that has more to do with the running backs going down. Like I said, Montgomery went down, but then Elijah Mitchell, um, other running backs are clearly going to be used. He's not going to have work in the passing game. He's the clear one, but if we're getting so many positive reports from Trey Sermon, we know they're going to use David Davis Price. Like, there's just other running backs there, and so I took a little bit of his projection away. He dropped. Um, I dropped Antonio Gibson. He had the fumble in the preseason game. Uh, there's really been not very many positive reports about Gibson in camp. Brian Robinson is clearly going to be involved, especially at the goal line. McKissick will be there in third downs. Like, had to drop Gibson. I dropped Clyde because of the rise of Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, so, Again, I like Edmonds a lot. Um, I think he's going to catch a lot of passes. He looks like the favorite right now to not only be the third down back, but like be the lead back. So he could be a feature back theoretically. I don't think it happens. I think he's like more of a pass catching specialist and to kind of rotate early downs. But if I'm kind of gaining a little bit of confidence in him and losing confidence in a ton of mid-range running backs, then he's going to go up in the rankings. Uh, I dropped Deontay Johnson a good amount in the rankings. Um, I have him now as a mid 
sixth round pick compared to a mid fourth round ADP. And that just goes back to what I talked about on Sunday. Pickens is having a phenomenal camp and I don't really trust the quarterback play. So if the targets overall, I expect to drop because I really think Pickens commands like a real target share this season. And I don't trust the quality of target coming from like some combination of Kenny Pickett and um, Trubisky. Like I, that's gross, right? That's just not good. And so fewer targets, lower quality targets, got to lower them in the ranking, especially, I mean, the mid range is so awesome for wide receiver. How can I justify Deontay Johnson as early as he was going? I moved Bateman up about a round, now ranking him as a mid-sixth round pick compared to a mid-seventh round ADP. I talked about on, I believe it was the Friday video, how the ETR projection team really likes Rashad Bateman, really likes Lamar Jackson, and maybe that's starting to rub off on me a little bit. But it really just comes kind of looking at this offense a little bit more. Like He's so clearly entrenched as the the number one wide receiver in this team they talk very highly of him he was a pretty high-end prospect and so the backups you know they're there but even you know they're kind of battling through some injuries right now he's so clearly the one and even though it's gonna be a low volume passing attack if virtually all the passing volumes flowing through Andrews through Bateman it doesn't really matter how low volume they are they're still gonna get plenty of targets and so I had him a little bit higher than I did before and honestly, a similar situation for Brandon Ayuk. Um, I was fading him for a good chunk of the summer just due to those volume concerns. This is clearly a run first offense. And I really think Lance is going to be fantastic in fantasy, but in like real life football, he's going to be inconsistent, especially as a passer. And people are going to be frustrated with the passing offense at times. And then for how much, you know, people say that like, oh, Ayuk is just a better fit for Lance. It's like, sure, you can say that, um, He's going to benefit more from like Lance has more of a downfield mindset than Jimmy Garoppolo did. But the fact of the matter is Debo is still the focal point of this offense. And so you've got that ground game. You've got Debo Samuel. You've got George Kittle. There is still a cap to the ceiling for Brandon Ayuk unless you think Trey Lance is throwing for like 5,000 yards and rushing for 1,000, right? You think he's going to be like the number one overall player in fantasy. So I still have my concerns. But... I think I had Ayuk a little bit under projected. We keep hearing Shanahan talk very positively around him like multiple times. You know, last year it was all negative surrounding Ayuk and then he was in the doghouse to start the year. All positive this season. And then I kind of looked at the numbers again. I mean, once he was out of the doghouse starting in week eight, he averaged 66 receiving yards per game. He had a season long pace of 73 for over 1100 yards, six touchdowns. He was at wide receiver 13 overall from week eight on 22 in points per game. And so even... To close last season, once he's out of the doghouse, week eight on, you know, he's a low-end wide receiver too, even with Debo going off then. So having an amazing camp, progressing as a player, clearly gets it now. I think his wide receiver 37 ADP as a late eighth round pick, it's extremely fair. It's likely too late. I have him now as a mid-seventh round pick before he was like right in line with ADP. I wanted to be a little bit ahead of him now. Uh, another big riser is Damian Pierce. Uh, I'm happy to finally announce that I have a Damian Pierce take. Uh, for the last like two weeks, you know, people have been asking my opinions, and I just didn't know. I didn't want to just say an opinion just to say one. Uh, so I've really just been hovering around ADP. If he falls, take him. If people are reaching, that's fine. I uh, really just wasn't 100% sure how to project the backfield. But 
I have officially given the lead back role firmly to Pierce. So before it was still him, I was giving him the most carries, the most targets of the running backs. But I still had like a good amount of production going to Rex Burkhead, going to Marlon Mack. And again, a good amount is like, you know, 20%. Like it's not like either of them was getting like 50% of the workload or anything. But now it's firmly Damian Pierce as the clear lead back, clear lead in the targets, the receptions. He looked fantastic in that preseason game. I don't see how you could have watched that game and not been excited about this kid. Uh, he runs hard, welcomes contact. Like he's just, he's a good running back. He just is. And so I'm projecting him now to get significantly more work than Mac and Burkhead. And you know what? Like the Texans offense isn't going to be fantastic, but what excites me about them in fantasy is I look at the ADPs of Pierce, Cooks, Collins, uh, Brevin Jordan even is a great late round tight end, Davis Mills. And I look at all of them and I'm like, these guys are literally all of them projecting as good picks at their ADP when I have them projected to be a bottom five offense. So I do not have this team being a good offense. The numbers are bad for overall that they're like taking a share from. But what happens if they're not? There's been some positive reports in camp. They have good individual players, and I like the potential of Davis Mills. What if they end up being, you know, the 17th best offense? Like, we're not going crazy. We're not making them top 10. But what if they're like the 17th, 18th best offense in the NFL? All of these players can shatter their ADPs. And that's what gets me excited about Pierce, also because... He has the build. He could be a feature back again. That's not something we should project. But look at the backfield. It's Marlon Mack and it's Rex Burkhead. It's not that much competition. They talk very highly of him. Some scouts talk very highly of him. Like, he looked really good. You have to move him up. You just simply have to move him up in the rankings. Very, very encouraging signs for him. Last player over today is Albert O. Um, I used to have him ranked as like a mid-range tight end two, but... Uh, the reports have been very positive about him in camp. They've been moving him around the formation a lot and even lining him up at wide. We knew that they'd have to come up with like a different game plan after the Tim Patrick injury because we knew they wanted to use Judy in the slot. They wanted Sutton and Patrick on the outside. That's what they wanted and it was going to work. Patrick gets hurt. Now they have Hamler and Judy who neither of them they really want to play on the outside. They'd prefer both of them, honestly, get more snaps like in the slot. And then they don't want um, Hamler to be like a consistent outside receiver. Like They don't want him playing every play. He just simply can't. He's going to get hurt. And so I think they're going to kind of fill that now with Alberto. He'll be out there out wide sometimes. He'll play tight end basically every single play. He's going to have a very high snap share. He's going to be used between the 20s and the red zone. Like He's going to have a really nice role in this offense. And he's not some scrub. He's got a 100th percentile speed score. He ran a 4.4940 at 258 pounds. Like, he is very athletic, very good in the receiving game. He's improved as a blocker. Like, he's going to be out there a ton. And so I moved him up to the tight end 10. It's a mid-10th round ranking compared to an industry-wide ADP of a late 11th round pick. I really think he's a very quality add. If you skipped out on, like, the top five tight ends, he's a great one to go after because he's a good tight end getting snaps on an elite offense. If anyone's going to have a potential spike, get lucky with touchdowns, it's probably someone playing on a great offense with a great quarterback. Both those things are true for Albert O. So those are the players who have risen the most and I guess fallen the most in my rankings over the last week. If you want to see this style of video again, then please make sure to hit the like button to show me that you did enjoy it. I'll create the content you guys want to see, but you have to let me know if you want to see it. Also, 
Uh, if you want to know exactly where I have every single player ranked along with how they've moved over the last week, what their exact projection is, and how their ranking will change depending on your scoring format, you can see all of that at my website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com. I'll be back tomorrow to go over the breakdown. You guys voted for the most by a mile last week. A.J. Dillon versus Ramondre Stevenson versus Chase Edmonds. Then Friday, we'll go over the worst pick in every round, according to myself, Evan Silva, and the ETR projection team. And then Saturday, to go over the latest news around the league over the last week. Now, my friends, is into this one. Hope you all enjoy. If you did, how about hitting the like button? And how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.